95.1 FM and AM 1080 KYMN Northfield. Joining us now in our studios is Northfield's City Administrator, uh, Ben Marty. Good morning, Ben. Good morning. And the mayor is not with us today, but we do have uh, Northfield's Police Chief, Mark Elliott, joining us as well. Mark, thank you so much for coming in. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, listeners. Uh, why don't we start off by talking about Night to Unite. Last night, we had talked about this last week. Uh, weather turned out to be kind of steamy last night. I don't know if that put a damper on any of the festivities, but uh, as far as the city and the police department, were you able to get around a little bit and uh, talk with some people and see some of the parties? Yeah, we were. And uh, it. I would say some of the parties maybe had a few less people there. I know some of the parties I was at with uh, some older folks, it was a little warm and their visits outside were a little short, but we actually had more parties registered uh, than we've ever had before. We had 48 neighborhood parties, uh, which was great and really exciting. You know, our our whole push for Night to Unite is to get out and get to know your neighbors, connect with your neighbors, um, because as you know the people who live around you and get to know them, it's going to create safer neighborhoods. And so we're really excited that people came out and did that last night. All right, Ben, did you uh, did your neighborhood get together? Uh, we did. In fact, this was the first year since I've been here that I kind of just settled down in my own neighborhood party to kind of follow that uh, idea because I also struggled to meet some of my neighbors and actually had some great conversations with some uh, neighbors. And we are under, uh, we have a pretty decent tree canopy in our neighborhood. So I've, it felt pretty pretty good in the shade, although it was a little toasty. But um, appreciated. We had the officers stop by and the fire truck stopped by, and so yeah, it was a great night for us. Yeah, I think that'll pay dividends, as it does each year throughout the year. It's not just one night. It is just one night, but the benefits really go throughout uh, the year for uh, both uh, uh, public safety and also just for you know, meeting your neighbors and being friendly and, and enjoy uh, the place where you live. Uh, let's talk about the night before, the the night to, uh, was not really the the night to unite for the uh, Northfield uh, City Council as uh, you had a council meeting, but uh, just due to scheduling and some illness and such, uh, only four of the uh, city councilors were able to uh, participate in that. So the the agenda was a little bit, uh, a little bit light. Yeah, a little lighter agenda, but we did have uh, a big decision on the fire department, some changes uh, with their budgeting in the new upcoming year and significant changes that they're going through on operations. And then the other item is a discussion around THC and cannabinoids, which was a discussion only, but a pretty lengthy discussion that we had. Yeah, and let's. Uh, why don't we start off with the cannabinoids? And we have the, the police chief here, will, who I'm sure will have so, some input on that. Um, the uh, state legislature recently kind of, I don't want to say slipped through, but it's like uh, one day everybody woke up and marijuana was legal, or at least some parts of cannabis uh, have been uh, legalized. Uh, I get, whichever one of you would like to answer that, how do you? You know how that happened and what the law states, what's legal, what's not. Uh, can somebody shed some light on that? Yeah, I, I can probably kick that off. Um, as you mentioned, this was discussed at the legislature, and uh, early in the session there was some discussion around hemp and THC-8 uh, not being regulated. So there was discussions about regulating the amount in there um, to make sure it was safe. Uh for people to use and during those discussions um that limit kind of dropped off mid-session and then it was uh, reinvigorated at the end of the session and added in but what they didn't do is limit it to thc um 
or Delta eight. Um, and so a Delta nine ended up being, uh, part of that as well. I think obviously some legislators knew that that was in there and that was the intent. Um, but others did not. And so I think that's some of the controversy I've heard come out of it. But what it did is it uh, became effective July 1st and there really wasn't any awareness built into it. And so from a regulation standpoint, um, state agencies and local governments are really scrambling to figure out how to regulate. You'd mentioned uh, Delta 8 and Delta 9. What, what, what is Delta and what's the difference between 8 and 9? Is that just a strength, a level of strength that uh, is put into it? Yeah, Delta 9 is a more common that pr- produces the high effect uh, that people see. Um, mm-hmm. And so th- that's the main difference. Um, th- it still is hemp-derived. Um, which is a form of cannabis, um, but not the traditional marijuana that people think of. Uh, let's let's talk about the uh, city uh, and and what the city of Northfield will, I guess, need to do to address this. Are there certain? Uh, and we'll talk to Ben first of all on this. Are there certain th- steps the city needs to make to either make this legal or make it illegal or make it available? What uh, what's the city's role in this? Yeah, so I, I think the the city does have the ability to add some additional local controls. Um, our attorney was pretty clear, though, that this is now a legal product, so to ban it entirely is probably not legal, and he would not advise that we go down the route of a full ban if that's of an interest. Instead, focus more on regulating it. And again, the current law at the state is fairly limited, but it basically limits. You have to be 21 to be able to uh, purchase and uh, use these products. The like the, then the packaging is probably the biggest other thing that's restricted. It's not restricted at all where it can be sold. So it can be sold in grocery stores. It can be sold in gas stations or wherever it might be. And um, there is not a requirement that it be behind the counter at all. So um, really the other regulations are ours. It can't, uh, it's not supposed to have a likeness to like cartoon characters or something that would be kind of geared towards kids. It can't be integrated into existing food products so it can't be integrated into popular brands of candy and that kind of a thing that's out there now related to the packaging um and uh so really that's it's fairly limited right now um and i guess we'll see how you know like mark said july 1st this went into effect how it plays already starting to play out but we don't really know how it will go out so into the communities and get and get sold so i'd say primarily how cities are looking at this is similar to licensing authority under tobacco or alcohol that might be in effect now is is where we're going and we had a draft ordinance that was presented with that probably similar to when we recently had tobacco 21 ordinances go into effect and really focused on keeping this out of the hands of kids making the public aware of the potential risks and around the use um the sheriff's office did do a press release recently about that these are intoxicating products and they will be you know charging and prosecuting um you know for driving well under the influence also with these are ingestible only so they're like it can be in drinks and it can be in like kind of gummies but you can't you can't have any smoke products under state law or that kind of a thing. But um, also with ingesting some of the Delta 9 um, product, too, is it can take longer to get into your system, and it also impacts people differently um, depending on their use, maybe their weight and different kind of factors with it. So 
there are some concerns uh, with this product, and so the you know we're looking at this this licensing program. Certainly, I think the ordinance includes it to have to be sold behind the counter. Um, we would have some fees related to enforcement right now too. I don't think the state really is in a position to do a lot of testing of these products to ensure they are what they say they are and some of that. And so that's also a local consideration. I don't know that we have the capacity really to do significant testing, but we certainly think that the state's going to be taking a look at this more. Um, one of the things we debated too, that I think we'll probably have a, we had a kind of a wide range, I would say of the four council members that were there. It went from anywhere from, Eh, do we even need to do any regulation, maybe a wait-and-see attitude all the way to, well, let's do as much as we can to regulate it. So we'll probably come back with a, a menu of options um, with kind of for the council on that. Um, I think, you know, besides being behind the counter, that we did also talk about we can limit the number of licenses. So we could, you know, say that there only can be a certain number limit. So kind of like the liquor store, we have an off-sale city liquor store. We can't sell it legally under the state law. At our municipal liquor store, so there won't be any of these products there. But, um, but, um, but you could also structure it where you could make like in these other states they call them dispensaries, where it's really the only like types of products sold where it's like legal, you know, recreational use of marijuana. In these other states, that's pretty common that they have these like restricted businesses that that's all they do. You have to be twenty one to go into the store. So those will be some of the additional things we'll be taking a look at because again, I think our focus also will be on really making sure that you know that these products um, are available to the people who are legally able to do that and. Um, and I think that right now there's key things missing, I think, from the state um, laws around that. And, again, we suspect there will be a lot of legislation happening um, and taking a closer look at regulating this across the state. But we also have a major election coming up. We don't know how that might change things. Um, and then also legislatively, it's not always a given that um, that they'll get things figured out and come to a compromise if they, if they end up with a divided government like we have in Minnesota now too. So, I think we public safety and public health uh, ultimately, if if there's an absence there um, at the statewide level with a product and regulation of this, cities um, are the next lo- likely spot to, to regulate. Counties also can regulate. So I know both Dakota and Rice County are also looking at this. And uh, we'll be paying attention to what what they are, what they might be doing as well. We're talking with uh, City Administrator Martig, along with uh, Northfield's Police Chief Mark Elliott, uh, about uh, cannabis and legalized uh, the legalized cannabinoids now. And let's uh, talk to the Police Chief once again. Uh, this, uh, with a lack of, I guess, direction from uh, the legislature when they passed this law, does this blur the line quite a bit for law enforcement officials of? what you can do what you can't do do you have a clear understanding of what is legal now and what's not legal and and how do you enforce that and what what approach i guess are you taking to that yeah so currently as as ben mentioned there are regulations that the state put in place most of those well the the most important one is nobody under 21 can possess purchase or use these products and you can't sell them to someone under 21 so we have a big focus on that right now and then uh getting into some of the other ones it's the packaging it's the content how many milligrams per dose how many doses per package can be sold so those are the regulatory type things that we're looking at right now um we haven't seen many of them in our community uh in the last month and we haven't seen a big uptick as ben mentioned this isn't regulated as far as what type of business can sell 
can sell them, but we haven't seen our local businesses really jumping on uh, to get into this business either. And I think part of that is just all the uncertainty with regulation and business owners just not sure how much of investment they want to make into something that could be very temporary or um, could get expanded. So when we look at local regulation, uh, as you know, the police department doesn't make policy. That is up to the city council. We just enforce what the policy is, whether on a state level or on a local level. So we'll continue to follow uh, what the policy and laws are and enforce those as appropriate. A few more questions, and I don't know if either one of you are qualified to answer this, but uh, maybe if you could give us some insight. Uh, as far as Minnesota goes, the uh, can we now import, I mean, if a store wanted to import uh, some of the edible uh, uh, cannabinoid products uh, can they do that from you know Colorado where it's been legal or from a different state can that be imported uh, into Minnesota does it have to be made here and is it part of uh, schedule one marijuana of course you can't uh, it's on schedule one so you have to borrow ca- or you have to use cash to buy that in uh, certain locations because banks won't accept the uh, uh, you know credit card you can't uh, go into a bank you can't put that into a bank have those questions been answered yet? I know it's probably on a higher level, on a state level, but... Uh, yeah, I don't think they've been answered clearly on that. Um, there, there, for Minnesota, it, it has to be a hemp-derived product, and hemp does have the Delta 9 THC in it, similar to marijuana, but it is slightly different. And again, when we talk about lab testing, those are the type of things that we need to verify um, those products. Uh, Most of the products sold in the states where marijuana is legal are not hemp-derived. They're marijuana-derived. And so it would not be uh, legal to sell those products in Minnesota. But there may be manufacturers that are, in other states, manufacturing those within Minnesota's guidelines, so those would be uh, able to be sold mm-hmm. in Minnesota. All right. Uh, we have more to talk about, so let's get off this. Uh, let's talk about the uh, fire department uh, and their uh, budget. Uh, NAFERS, Northfield Area Fire and Rescue, has given I, for, uh, two proposed budgets for 2023, uh, one with a full-time uh, fire chief and one with a part-time fire chief. Is, is that correct? And what were you discussing as far as that budget goes at the council meeting? Uh, yeah, so uh, I know we've talked about this before, but they the NAFERS board did make a recommendation of the one budget with the full time chief. They are have not landed on settling on that decision yet, which they're planning on doing in the coming months. I think it's by October. They've got kind of a commitment to make some decisions with that. So technically, they might be adjusting their request downward a little bit if if there are some decisions. But I would say things are moving in that direction to look at moving to a part-time to a full-time chief, which is one of the major operating changes that's kind of underway within the department. I think probably along with that, I would say, is is that there had been some things that impacted cost this year, um, some officer pay that was increased um, to be more reflective of kind of the work that they do and the time that they put into it. Additionally, training um, has been expanded uh, where they're actually paying for some of the training that they weren't paying for before. Those do come with cost, but I do think they also, by by having uh, uh, competitive pay with with the part-time work that they do, we might be able to continue to have a paid-on-call fire department like we have be stronger and to continue that going forward. So we don't have any full-time staff right now. Um, 
and the what they're looking at would be adding one position that would be full time, but the rest would still be paid on on call uh, firefighters. With that, I would say also there's been a there's been a changing shift related to focusing on prevention as well. One of the common things fire departments really work on is getting out there and. You know, certainly there are things like when construction projects are going on, ensuring fire codes going on, but there's also even local regulations on things like fire systems have to be in effect for local, you know, if you have a, a restaurant with a hood, uh, with a grill and some of that, that they might have their own regulations that they have to do it. But our building inspections department, it does not have authority to get in and do ongoing enforcement with that. That's really a fire code issue. And so ensuring that you know, accesses are open and available, looking at um, working with our colleges on on doing preventative work and also ensuring that um, all of the safety measures uh, related to the building exits are properly lighted, they're prop- not obstructed, those types of things are all issues that they're starting to get into and seeing that we could be doing a lot more in those areas. Um, so those are some of the things that are we're looking at uh, that, that would drive the cost. We also had some overruns and some costs this year um, related to a fire truck that, that blew out, which I think um, shed some more light on the importance of having emergency reserves set aside. So we are looking at an additional 100000 next year and an additional eighty to 90000 this year that they're asking for to help replenish some of those reserves due to that and some of those operational changes. So um, the council um, reviewed that budget in detail the last work session, uh, and then uh, they did approve the, the budget already that has to be approved by the end of September. They actually acted on it at the meeting the other night, and it passed unanimously on that. Um, there are some big costs, so significant costs related to this, but these are also multiple years in conversation. Even the chief discussion that we've talked about before, the, the most recent study that we had, there have been two prior studies that made the sec- same recommendations since 2016 when I got here from two other different consultants. So the third consultant said the same thing, expanded upon that on what we could be doing um, as well uh, related to some other operational issues. But um, that budget goes uh, from City of Northfield's contribution goes from in the eight, little over 800000 to just over $1.2 So it's a pretty significant increase. If we didn't have any other funding um, to help bring down that cost like reserves on this one-time replenishment of the reserves that alone would probably drive about a 2.5 percent levy increase just with this fire department portion of the the increase on it now future years we think that'll drop back down the fire department here traditionally has had basically zero zero percent changes or very minimal ones um over the last five five years um so this would likely see a jump one year and then it would probably stabilize out uh, thereafter but um, it's a big it's a big change related to their operations and i think it's very welcome from Northfield's standpoint as to the direction that they're headed with things all right gentlemen we're out of time uh, any final thoughts anything else you wanted to bring up quickly while we have you here just uh, this last weekend was a beautiful weekend. The Vintage Band people just want to say thank you to them for all of their hard work on that. I spent some time out there, and um, it was a beautiful weather. And uh, yeah, so yeah, the, good weekend. It, yeah, it was fun, and I look forward to more more fun events here. Yeah, in, in is, from the standpoint of law enforcement. Probably not too rowdy of a crowd. I think they uh, were well-behaved over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, they were. Uh, we, of course, did spend some time there. We had officers mm-hmm. um, there throughout the event, making sure that everything was going as planned, but also um, just trying to provide that reinsur- reassurance for people. Uh, you know, we've had throughout the nation a lot of uh, big community events that had um, 
you know, some tragic activities that happened. And so we wanted to make sure we were visibly present um, for anybody thinking that they weren't going to act appropriately, but also just uh, making sure that people felt comfortable. And so we spent right. some time out there and enjoyed some good music. And we saw so many people just having a great time, people of all ages. So it was good to see. A lot of fun. I should say, too, Jeff, that I didn't say it earlier because Mark was talking about Night to Unite. But I do want to say thanks to the, to Mark and the police department for putting together the Night to Unite um, tremendously successful. I mean, they have over 45 parties or whatever we're at now as a community, and they're driving around trying to get to all of these to talk. And um, I actually called the police. I didn't even tell Mark this. I actually had to call the police department for a like unrelated incident with an individual that was having some issues in the downtown. And we had officer. I called through dispatch like anybody we advise anybody to do. Uh, and we had uh, multiple officers there within five minutes of my call. And, um, and again, I just think uh, we're fortunate to have a safe uh, community, but also uh, when we need the police, they're there to help us out and just want to say thanks. Uh, thanks to them. All right. Thank you so much for coming in. Much appreciated. Salmon relations between the U S and China. And indeed Beijing has already voiced its displeasure. The country has planned provocative military drills close to Taiwan later this week in response to Pelosi's visit. Where's Pelosi getting uh, support from uh, Senate minority leader, Mitch McConnell who said that they should not dictate where the speaker uh, goes and, and that he's, he's good with it, think that it was a good thing that she made the visit. China's foreign minister, Wang Yi, not so much. He called the visit a complete farce and warned that, quote, those who play with fire will perish. China has now suspended some trade with Taiwan in apparent retribution. Wow. Okay, so this it just sounds like it's even more confusing now. I'm trying to wrap my brain around this. So, she's not really a sanction by the uh, by the administration. Then. It doesn't sound like it at all. Hmm. Yeah, so I would have thought that they would have like said she's like, "Hey, I'm going to stop by Taiwan." They'd be like, "Okay, it okay, like that. say <laughs> hi to so and so." At all. So this is interesting that she would do this. It sounds like some a decision that she made. And and uh, the Biden administration is now kind of tap dancing to, to respond to it. Chinese not happy with it at all. And I'm not sure that's not a good thing, um, because as we talked about with the whole Russia moving into Ukraine, you know, nobody was watching that closer than the Chinese because mm-hmm. they want Taiwan. They want to go into Taiwan. What they want to know is what is the world response going to be uh-huh and and china is flexing its muscles all over the pacific and and in other places but definitely trying to extend their reach in the pacific uh producing newer and and larger uh aircraft carriers warships mm-hmm. all sorts of things that they've never had before um so this is this is a new day and age and they don't appear as if they are doing this in a spirit of Hey, we just want to, you know, be partners. Uh, they are like, nope, we want to be the top dog, and we want to call the shots on how this is all going to going to be played. Yeah, well, you know, not only that, you know, you, you're talking about the uh, the navy and the warships and such. They are building islands. <laughs> In the South China Sea that extend, uh, you know, down through like the Philippines and Indonesia and such and, and, and calling that China so they can control the seaways, uh, of, uh, Southern Asia, uh, which has yeah. an enormous amount of trade going through there. So yeah, they are being very, very aggressive. And even going to, to, to island nations like outside the Pacific and just saying, what do you want to do? You want you need this much money for your infrastructure? Here it is. 
they're like the Saudis. You know what I mean? They're showing up with you know bags full of money, and they're saying, "Ooh, that looks pretty good." And the United States is going, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" You know, there's going to come a price with this. So uh, they are definitely playing this game on multiple levels. All right, let's uh, let's talk about monkeypox. We haven't talked too much about monkeypox so far, uh, but you know, it's like just one of those subjects, one of those things. It just keeps rolling along. It it's, it's like a uh, you know, a snowball that's slowly gaining more and more traction. And I wonder if, if the shoe is on the other foot now, when, when, of course, COVID came out, many people would say that the Trump administration should have been more aggressive with it and, and more honest in dealing with it. But they didn't want to really do anything with it because they were heading into an election and didn't want, you know, sort of that to be their responsibility and people to be unhappy about it. And and now you've got public health leaders going after the Biden administration saying they need to declare a public